everyone. This is Dave Dubow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, I've got someone very, very interesting on the podcast. We're going to be talking about a topic that we haven't touched on yet. So I'm really excited about this. Our special guest for today is Manny Greeno. How are you doing today, Manny? I am doing very well. How are you today, Dave? I am fantastic. So Manny, you're calling in from beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. Yep. I'm here starting to get chilly in beautiful Kamloops, British Columbia. But it's great to have you on the call. I'm really excited about talking about assisted living facilities. So first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about, because I know this is what you do with your father, I believe. Is yeah, that, correct? So that is correct. How did this all happen? How did you guys get into the assisted yeah. living? Yeah, well, a number of things happened. My father had heard about this idea about 20 years prior. There was a man on the front of the stage and he said, you know, assisted living is where you want to be. And he talked about it for about 15 minutes. And my dad ran up to him after the presentation and said, show me how to do this. And the gentleman said, I can't show you how to do it because I don't actually do it. And so, you know, we've all met people who are like that. You know, you should do it, but they don't do it themselves. Yeah. So a few years passed by and my grandmother, she was starting to, you know, get older and started to need assisted living of her own. And, you know, my father had always wanted to get into the business. And so he said, hey, now's the perfect time. You know, we can put our own loved ones in there. We can run it. It's a great business. So we can do good and do well, help a lot of people and make a lot of money, which is a combination I think a lot of people are going for. And so that's how we actually started doing it. We started the first one, then the second one. And by the time we started the second one, people were coming up to us saying, how are you doing this? Because when we were starting to get into it, nobody wanted to share any information on the topic. And so when we got into it, we said, all right, we're going to do things differently. We're going to show people how to do it the right way. So that way they don't have to make silly mistakes, you know, like we did on the first and second one. And now we're up to six residential assisted living homes. And, you know, we figured it out, you know, by now, but. Yeah. All right. Very good. So, so for folks that are watching this or listening to this, and they're not quite familiar with what exactly an assisted living facility is, why don't you give us your 30 second version of what the whole thing's about? Yeah. So this will get their attention. So what we do is residential assisted livings. And what that might look like is we have a single family home in a residential area. And in that home, I'll give you an example of, you know, one of our homes, kind of a rough breakdown. We have about 10 residents who live in that home, elderly residents who need help with activities of daily living, cooking, cleaning, getting up and out of bed. So there's caregivers in that home helping those residents out with their activities of daily living. But each one of those residents is paying around $4,000 a month, a month to live in that home. So we have 10 residents at $4,000 a month. The home's bringing in around 40,000. The expenses to run that home might be 20 to 25,000. So after all the expenses have been paid, that one home can be bringing in 10, 15, $20,000, depending on that particular month. So it's a great new way of real estate investing. And like I said, help a lot of people and you can make a lot of money too. All right. Well, it sounds very, very appealing. That's for sure. So what's the difference between what you guys do and what people think as an old folks home? Yeah. You know, many people... When, even when I share what I do, they don't even, they're not even familiar with this. They're always familiar with the big box facility is what we call it. And what that might look like is you might have a couple hundred people living in one of those facilities. And let's say for an example, we have 500 people living there. The biggest difference is, is that we're a home. You know, when someone's in their 80s or their 90s and they've been living on their own for the last 10, 15, 20 years, they don't necessarily want to go, you know, move out of their home and move into a giant facility with a bunch of strangers. They can be scared to leave the room. Also, if I'm in a building that can fit 500 people, it's probably a very, very large building. 
if I'm in my 80s or my 90s, it's hard for me to walk around. So for me to get from one side of the facility to another can be very, very difficult. And the other thing is, you know, usually the caregiver to resident ratio is a lot lower in our homes versus a big box facility. In ours, we might have one caregiver to every four, five, or six residents. In a larger facility, it might be one to eight, one to 10, one to 15. And so we can provide a much better service that they need in that time. So that's kind of the biggest differences that you see many times from maybe a classical large big box facility versus what we do. So it's a much better setting for someone who really needs these type of services. Yeah, well, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So, Manny, what kind of shape are the people that are the residents of your facilities in? I mean, how much how much assistance do they need? What are the again? Because I, I don't have a lot of experience with this. What are the kind of the different categories of homes? Or yeah, so in the senior housing category, there's really three different types of care. You have independent living, which is really more like kind of a you know, apartment style, everyone's kind of living on their own, they're independent, they don't need help, they don't need assistance. So that's kind of like a 65 and older community where they can do their own thing. But maybe it's more, you know, we have a restaurant in the middle of the apartments, you know, and things like that. There's a golf course right there. But they don't need true assistance. What we do is the next level up. When someone is getting older, they don't necessarily have a lot of medical issues going on. Sometimes they're just getting older. And sometimes they just need help living life. And so what we focus on is activities of daily living. So like I was saying, cooking, cleaning, getting up and out of bed, bathing, showering, all of those things are activities of daily living that you or I wouldn't think anything about. But for them, they're starting to need help with those activities. And that's what those caregivers are helping out with. Now, you know, the next question is, well, is it medical? Is it this? Is it that? Doctors and nurses? That would be the next level, which is called the skilled nursing facility, which is medical, which is doctors and nurses and, you know, all that type of stuff going on. So ours is the level below that, the level above independent living. And what's nice about the assisted livings is that there's a lot of people who need this service and it's not medical. So it's not the same type of maybe insurances or liabilities that maybe some of these facilities would have if they were a skilled nursing facility from that standpoint. All right. Very good. Well, that's a good explanation. Now that's a lot clearer for me. That's so let me ask you this. Your residence, is this kind of a transition place that they're in with you because they're, they're going from independent living either mm-hmm. on their own in their own homes or perhaps they've been in an independent living facility, but now they're in this assisted living facility. Are they then transitioning on to the next level, which is medical or how does it typically Yeah. So when someone's getting older, you know, sometimes they transition from, you know, living in their own home to, hey, it's not safe for me to be living in my own home by myself. What happens if I fall? What happens if I, you know, can't do all those things? That's a horror story waiting to happen. We don't want that. And that's where the assisted living is there for is, is to help them live their lives and help them out with those activities of daily living that they might be struggling with. Now, someone in the home they might start to have medical issues and they might have to start moving into a skilled nursing facility or, you know, different places like that. But some residents, you know, they stay with us, you know, might be one year, might be 10 years or something in between. And then they, you know, move upstairs, you know, which is, you know, heaven from that. Yeah, <laughs> and, so I guess that's kind of my question. Are, are most of your residents, excuse the expression, checking in and checking out with you guys 
yeah. on a permanent basis? Is this yeah. your last home? You know, that definitely is a part of our industry that we deal with is people move in and, you know, they move out, they move out upstairs, like we were saying. And some people, you know, move on to a higher level of need, skilled nursing. But, you know, what's nice about this business is that, you know, like I said, we get to do good, do well. We get to help a lot of people in a time of their lives where, you know, it's tough. Anybody who's listening, who's ever been through that process understands that it is a tough part of life when you're in that from the children's standpoint, from the person who's living there. We want to make those, you know, some of their last days as, you know, awesome as possible. That's what it's really about. And when you can do that, you know, you can run a very good business and, you know, make money, do good and do well. But that's what's nice about it is we get to do good. We get to help the community, help the people around us. And it's just such a powerful time of their life. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess another question I've got is how are your homes? So again, you're, you're talking about basically a single family home mm. that you're turning into an assisted living facility. You've got a relatively small number of residents there. What are you saying? Typically in the yeah. seven to 10 range kind of thing? Yeah, you? somewhere around there, maybe six to 16, generally speaking. And many times with our homes, sometimes when I'm speaking, people will say, well, how am I supposed to fit 10 residents into a two bedroom, one bathroom house rental property? You know, and for us, you know, we always kind of laugh because that's definitely not what we're doing. We're not using rental properties. We're not using apartments. What we are doing is using a single family home. It's usually a nicer home in a nicer area, single level. And the rule of thumb that we like to use is 300 to 500 square feet per resident in that home. So 10 residents, 3,000 to 5,000 square feet. There's not many rental properties that are 3,000 to 5,000 square feet. And then we also like to have as many private bedrooms and private bathrooms as we can. So we might be converting some the garage space, we might be adding on to the house. There might be a large master bedroom that we put up a wall in between and turn that into two bedrooms. So we do a number of things to these homes to make them suitable for what we are looking to do, but more bathrooms, more bedrooms, bigger homes, nicer homes in nicer areas, because we talked about it's $4,000 a month for someone to move into one of these homes. We want to be in areas where the population nearby can afford to live there. You know, there's people who are paying $10,000 a month to live in assisted living, and there's people paying $2,000 a month and everything in between. So where we want to be is where essentially those baby boomers are, where they live, because they don't want to put their mom in a facility two hours away. They want it to be five to 10 minutes away. So we want to be in those type of areas where, you know, we have a population of people who can afford to put their parents in these homes at those particular rates. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So two questions for you. First of all, primarily are, are people in their own individual rooms? Are they sharing rooms? You prefer yeah. to have it as as many individual rooms as possible, but is that the norm or is that the exception? Yeah. You know, when someone moves into one of the homes, I whenever I go out and go speaking, I always ask the, the crowd, I say, if I give you two options, which one did you pick? You know, it's a hotel room. It's $100 a night for your own private room, your own private bathroom or $75 tonight with no bathroom in your room and a stranger sleeping in the bed next to you. And it's like, who wants option A? Who wants option B? And, <laughs> and everyone, you know, 99% of people pick, you know, option A. And, you know, sometimes we think, well, isn't it like college and the dorms and don't they want to be, you know, and it's, it is a little bit different because they would rather have their own rooms, their own private bathrooms. The families would much prefer that as well. You know, if mom or dad needs to go to the bathroom, they don't want it to be way down the hallway. They want it to be right there in their room. So they have that. 
And then also, we don't know who that other person is. They could be nice. They could not be nice. So people would rather have their own rooms. So the reason why we do that as well is because it's much more desirable. And you can also a lot of times charge a lot higher rate for that. It's more uh, you know, desirable, like I said. So maybe instead of charging 3000 for a shared room, it might be 5000 for a private room. So there's a big difference there in what you're able to charge and the numbers at the end of the day. So again, a lot of our listeners are up here in Canada. So things, as we've discussed before we started recording, are a little bit different. But who do you find is paying for the bill primarily for your residence? Is it themselves? Yeah. Is it kids? Combination? What's going on? You know, it, it really is a combination many times. If someone does not have any money to move into assisted living, the state will pay an amount for them to live in a home. In our country, it's about $2,000 a month. For our numbers to really make sense with 10 residents, we like to see it at $3,500 a month or higher. That's kind of like our cutoff point. Yeah. So that's what we like to see. But when someone is paying to live in one of these homes, it could either be state pay, it might be cash, IRAs, investments. They might have long-term care insurance, which is an insurance that covers someone to move into assisted living. It might be a life insurance policy that they're selling off early and getting some of those funds. Or it might be the children who are helping chip in and help pay for that. So that $4,000 a month, sometimes it sounds expensive. That's what the national average is in the US for living in an assisted living in a private room. It sounds expensive, but really when you start breaking it down, it's like, wow, you know, they're getting food, they're getting care, uh, entertainment, all of their bills are being paid for that $4,000 in that month. And that care is really the biggest part of what they're paying for, having someone there to help take care of them yeah. versus living in their own home, which can be extremely expensive if you're hiring someone to one-on-one -on -one come out to your house, take care of you. It's usually around $25 an hour which can really add up fast. That's $10,000, $20,000 sometimes that we see. So ours is much more affordable. They're getting some socialization without being around 500 people and a better caregiver to resident ratio. So it's usually a very, very preferred method when someone's choosing what they want to do when it comes time for you know mom or dad to move into an assisted living or have that assisted living care. That makes a lot of sense, Manny. So I guess one question I have from a business perspective would be, if I understand correctly, most of your facilities are in and around Phoenix. Is that correct? That's right. Phoenix and Scottsdale. Yep. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. So especially, so lots of, lots of demand, lots of seniors in those areas. How is it from a hiring perspective to find, keep and stay competitive with your employees compared to the big boxes that in my opinion might have bigger budgets to work with? Yeah. That's a great question. One of the big things, we want to make sure we're near a large population of people. We don't necessarily want to be in the middle of nowhere, in the woods, you know, in a cabin, and because it's going to be very hard for the children, first off, to come visit. And it's also hard for the caregivers to, you know, get there. If they live 30 minutes away, they're going to work somewhere that's closer. So when it comes to us versus the big box hiring, one of the big things that you hear a lot of times from caregivers who are in the larger facilities is, I'm looking over 20 people. I'm trying to take care of all these people all at once. And that's just too much. And they're not getting paid more that it would make sense for them to do it. They're not getting paid 300000 to work in that facility and you know, 50 bucks, you know a day to work in ours. It's relatively comparable. And what we hear from caregivers a lot of times, we had one caregiver come to us from a large facility and our caregiver to resident ratio overnight is one to 10. 
she was working in a facility where it was one to 50. Wow. One to 50 people. So she came to our home. She's like, this is a breeze. I love it. I actually get to know these people and they're like my family. And, and she just loved it. So really that's the biggest thing is we might not be able to compete with them as much on the pay scale, but we can compete with them on the working quality, the environment. And also we know their names. We're not some giant hedge fund in New York. That's, you know, a faceless corporation. We are, you know, we're the boss, we're the manager, we know who you are. And, and so that goes a very, very long way too, when it comes to where someone wants to work from that standpoint. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. All right, very cool. So another kind of business type question, Manny. So typically, how many employees are required or what's the staff requirement for your typical home? And is, is that doable or do you have to have a bunch of these to make it make sense? Yeah, most of the time, the state requirement will be what the owners see as needed, which is just pretty up in the air of what that means. What we see, though, is once you get past watching over six residents, it is a little bit tougher to handle that. So like I was saying with that example, if somebody's watching over 20 people, it's just way too difficult to be doing that. That's very, very stressful. So we see one to five is our kind of sweet spot that we like, one to five caregiver to resident ratio. When it comes to uh, economies of scale, when we had, we just acquired three new assisted livings, but when we had our first three, what was nice about those is you could drive from one home to the other in 10 to 15 minutes. So we could buy food in bulk. We could, if a caregiver couldn't make this shift, we could have someone from here jump over to there and it lowered our overall cost. So it's actually sometimes easier having more than one. The first one is always the hardest, right? Because it's new, it's a learning experience. But once you get the first one, then the second one, it's kind of like kids. You know, the first one is definitely the hardest. And then, you know, you get the second and you're, you know, you're laughing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it gets easier as time goes on. So I hope that kind of answers that as well. No, that makes a lot of sense. But I guess, is this is this a business where you could have one of them and it would... Oh, most definitely. Make sense. Yeah. It's, it's doable. It's workable. And that's, exactly. and that's an interesting thing too, is, you know, some of our students, you know, some of their goals are, hey, I want to have 10 of these. I want to have a hundred of these. I want to make, you know, $4 million each month. Hey, that's great. But that's not everyone's goal. Not everyone's goal is I want to be working 120 hours a week. Sometimes people say, hey, I want one of these. I want to make 10, 15,000 a month, which is a great living. And I want more time to travel. I want more time to do this. So everyone will have different goals. But one home, what's nice about this is that instead of owning 100 rental properties or having to get you know, 1,000 doors or whatever it is, you know, we're talking about doing one residential assisted living and having significant income coming in each and every month, you know, 10, 15, $20,000 with one single family home, which is you know, a lot less daunting than buying thousands of deals. So I guess the other question people might have is, so does this mean that I need to go out and get all sorts of training and certification and college degrees and whatnot to become a manager of an assisted living facility? Or is that something that you guys hire out? Yeah, that is definitely something we hire out. You don't need to be in the medical field. What you need to do is align yourself with the right people. So for our homes, we have caregivers in the homes. They're taking care of the residents. We have a manager above them. This isn't a property manager. This is a manager of residential assisted living. They oversee the residents, make sure that they're happy, they're doing well, and they also oversee the caregivers. So if someone needs to switch schedules, they can deal with that. If someone needs to you know, call off, they can deal with that. If someone's not happy, they can deal with that. And then we're just overseeing that manager that's overseeing the residents and the caregivers. That's how we set it up. 
So we're not in there daily doing the hiring and firing and making sure this resident or that, that manager is doing a lot of that. And then we're just overseeing them. That's really how we like to set it up. Because if you are, and there are a lot of people who do this, if you're the owner and the manager and the caregiver, the cook, the baker, the candlestick maker, you know, you bought yourself a job and, you know, a job isn't wrong for everybody, but that's not our goal. That's not what we're going after. We want time to be able to travel, to do all those things. And that's why we set it up the way that we do. So as we're wrapping up here, Manny, what is, what does demand look like for these kind of services these days? eh? You know, right now, there's roughly about a million beds for assisted living in the U.S., and there's about 4,000 people a day turning 85 years old. 4,000 times 30 times 12 is about 1.4 million people every single year, and that's right now. You know, we have a monster demand currently, but in the future, we have 10,000 people a day who are turning 65 years old right now. So those people who are turning 65, they're not moving into assisted living today, but in the future, when we talk about what's good today, what's good tomorrow, for the next 10, 15, 20 years, this is an amazing business to be in because that silver tsunami, as we say, you know, it, it hasn't even hit the shore. So it's a great time to get in now. And then later on, 10, 15, 20 years, you can sell off those homes to someone else who wants to pay, you know, two to three times what you paid for them when you first bought them and got them started. 15, 20 years, I might have to move into one of those damn things. (laughs) (laughs) Better to own it though, right? There we go. (laughs) All right, Manny, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks, my friend. So if people want to find out more about you and what you and your dad are doing with assisted living, what should they do? The best place to go is ral101.com. Roger, Allen, Larry, 101.com. ral101.com. We have an intro course right there that they can go through. And it's about, I think, an hour to an hour and a half. Once they go through that, the thing I always recommend is set up a discovery call. Set up that call. And what we do is we just go over it. Is this the right industry for you? Is this something that you could see yourself doing? Is it appropriate for you? And if it is, that's awesome. And if it's not, that's totally fine too. You know, that was one of the things that, you know, we were talking before we even jumped on, you know, what's the biggest thing or mistake you see real estate investors making? The shiny penny syndrome. You know, there's so many different ways to make money in real estate, wholesaling, fixed flip, apartments, assisted living, you name it. They can all make you money. But what you need to do if you want to be successful is you have to focus in on one of those things like a laser beam. They all work. They're all going to take work. They're all going to be tough, but they can all make you that money. And so if you have a desire and you are committed, this can be a really, really good thing if you know, some of your listeners are saying, hey, this is what I want to do. So that's what I'd really recommend is, you know, watching those videos, that intro course, and then setting up that discovery call and really finding out, is it the right fit? Going from there. Awesome. Manny, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for sharing some insights into assisted living. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at Investor Attraction Demo. Take care.